Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. It's over. Go home. That final scene starts now. Hello, hello. We are back. Welcome to That Final Scene, the podcast where we analyze and dissect final scenes in movie history. How's everyone? Hi, Ben. Hi, Simon. Yo. Yo, hello. Yeah, all good. Is that Brian Cranston at the end of that intro? What's he say? That final scene. Is that I Brian Cranston? I could see that. I could Is that see Cranston? that. Might be. It has his like lovely mm. smooth tone. I'd be interested to know. I Who see. I had, a, I saw Brian Cranston in London, in a restaurant in London once. What? Yeah, in like a, in a Mexican restaurant in Houston. I mean, Ellie were sat across from him in a restaurant, like maybe 20 feet away. And I was looking at him, I was like, it's not, it can't be Brian. You know, and you're like, it can't, you're like, what the hell would Brian Cranston be doing in this random Mexican restaurant right. in, in, in Houston? Like, there is no reason for him to be here. It wasn't even fancy. It wasn't no, no, good. it was like a normal place. Like, it's right. quite, it's quite a nice place, like a traditional place. And the, like, really good food. But I was like, what? The Brian Cranston wouldn't be here. What am I talking about? I started Googling it. Like, what's, like, is Brian Cranston in London? Like, is he doing a play here? Is he filming something here? Couldn't find anything. And I was like, Oh, it can't be him. I was like, I'll have a look when we walk out and see, you know, just in case. And before we went to leave, this group of people got up and left and they went over and they like asked for a picture. And I was like, Aww. fucking hell, it is Brian Cranston. And then I was like, <laughs> well, I can't say anything because he's just been, he's been having this lovely meal for the whole time that we've been there. It's like 40 minutes, maybe an hour and no one's gone up to him. And then this group of people go up. I can't then go up and be like, Brian. I loved you as Hal and Malcolm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that Breaking Bad shit. You're Hal to me, you know? I wouldn't have it in me to walk up to someone while they're eating and just ask for anything. Okay, so here's a question. I've, and I feel like I've mm. had this conversation with people before, but I don't think we've had it on this podcast. Would you, like, go up to a celebrity and ask, and who would, like, you know, are there, circ- A, are there circumstances that you wouldn't? Because, like, I wouldn't do it in a restaurant or if someone was with their kids, because I think that's a bit weird. But if I saw a celebrity in the street and they weren't, like, rushing somewhere, I might say something. Mm-hmm. And then who would be your main one if you were, like, of all the people, I would stop them in the street? I think the ones that I have pictures or autographs uh, from, mm. I have... I don't want you, I don't want to use the word stocks because it sounds weird. But I nice. have gone. You you followed them down the street. Yeah, I cool. have gone to places where they are more than likely to give me one. So yes, yeah, so aka aka like a film premiere. Like they're okay. there to yeah. So I had a bit of a list, and then I went through a bunch of film premieres. So I ticked everyone off that list. The only person that I haven't, which I don't know why, I would love like a picture with him. Is Tom Cruise, and <laughs> I don't even like him that much, but I feel like he's such an icon. Yeah, and yeah. I think he would make for a good picture. I think we discussed this though, and like when we when we've done Cruise episodes before, Cruise is kind of like a unicorn. Like, there's not really many people like him. There won't be many people like him. Yeah, again, so like to get a picture with him, yeah, it's quite would be quite cool. Yeah, I think so. But I feel like I don't know. What about if you? you? If you if, uh, he'd probably have you killed if like you asked at, the, at an inopportune <laughs> time. You know, I reckon Ben's been pissed, Brosnan. Oh, I love. <laughs> no, I'd love to meet Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig would be great, but he seems quite... I'd like, rather meet Piers Brosnan than Daniel Craig, I think. Yeah, maybe. I could see Brosnan being more into it than Daniel Craig, to be honest. I met David Tennant. That was my big one because I was such a big <gasps> Doctor Who fan too. for years. So and he was, he was so nice. Yeah. And I got a photo with him. And I'm try- I haven't got that many... I've got a photo with a guitar player from Snow Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> this fucking random shit. But like, yeah, I don't have that many because... I don't know. There's something about me that, like, when I see famous people, I just go, oh, that's your man, rather than mm. being, like, thinking, like, a friend uh, 
mutual friend of mine and Simon, Sam, I remember walking through um, Covent Garden with him and another person who we used to work with and Tim Roth, Tim Roth just walked past us and mm. Sam and I turned to one another being like, ah, it's Tim Roth. And the person who <laughs> it was like, who's Tim Roth? Like, <laughs> yeah. How fucking dare you? And I've walked, <laughs> I've walked past like Bill Nye and stuff in Victoria, but I never think I'm going to stop him and be like, mm. hello, nice to meet you. Can I have a photograph? I have walked past Killian Murphy. I was annoyed that I didn't say it's Killian Murphy, but he was on the phone. I would be so, yeah, terrified. He's a lot shorter in real life than you think. Yeah. Maybe people do not, do assume that he's short, but he's quite short. <laughs> What's the name of that Middle East drama which stars Carrie, who ends up having... Homeland. Psych- yeah, Homeland. I always see in Hampstead Heath the ginger hair. Oh, Damien Lewis. Oh. I always see him marching along, like having a loud conversation. That's so funny. Yeah, he must live around there or something. Yeah, must be hanging yeah. out with Elna Bonham Carter because he's always around there as well. I find walking up to people really naff. Like, I just, I, yeah. I wouldn't do it. I, I think, think it's yeah, no. yeah. not nice. I think about it in my, if someone asked me to do it, like came up and asked me, I'd be a bit like, you know what but, you, but you, ha- they're under pressure because like they can't say no because yeah. it'll become like a moment where they were like I, bad I take it back I think I would probably walk up to people just to tell them how much I love them in something as opposed mm. to like, I think at this point I have I have yeah. outgrown the need for a selfie or like for an autograph yeah. but me saying oh my god I loved you in this goodbye have a great day I think I could do that I once got a photo with um, David Hasselhoff fantastic oh, yes. but I was like in, I was in his leather jacket was so big that I got in it and he wrapped it around me and I was just like poking out I see I think that's the thing I think if you're in the if you're in if you're in the correct situation yeah. and you're getting a photo with a famous person you need to make it you need to make it different for them right like that's <laughs> oh, the thing that's that really I think of you. that's the thing yeah. that I think is like I'm not just going to ask you for a boarding photograph and be like yeah. listen I get on your shoulders, you get on my shoulders. Like Tom Cruise could yeah. get on your shoulders and be like, yeah. this is going to be a hell of a photo. It's a health and safety nightmare, but fucking hell, it's different. Yeah. You know. Dude, from- that, guy, that guy has very special insurance. So he can do anything. Yeah, true. And I'd say, do you know what? He's so, he's so like such a fitness freak. He could probably like jump and land on my shoulders in one go. Oh, 1,000%. Not even but imagine if climb. you were the one person that like really hurt his back. <laughs> <laughs> and it really cut his career imagine, short. Yeah, it just turned out that was Tom Cruise's thing. He's like, I will. Oh, my back. I will <laughs> I will take a photo with you, but I have to prove to the world how strong I am and we'll do the photo with you on my shoulders. Like I think you need to make it like be be interesting, have an angle, you know? Oh, bless. It's like an interview. You gotta have an angle. You can't just <laughs> can't just be like, oh, I'll take a photograph with you. Yeah, that's know. lame. That's really lame. I well, know it's a bit naff, but yeah. Yeah. But people are, are fucking mad for Philip it. Philip is older as well. I don't know. It used it used to be more of a thing for me back in the day when I was in my twenties, uh, like early twenties, but now I'm just like mm. I think I've gotten starstruck by people, but I don't think I've been like, I need yeah. to have a photograph with you, you know? No, I have gone delirious around people. <laughs> like when I saw Brad Pitt, I was like, can't, I cannot even. Brad Pitt's on another level. I mean, He's that, like, like ethereal creature. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like next level. You kind of like, you'd, when you see him, you kind of question if he exists. We're like, you can't. Yeah. yeah. He, can't he, him Pitt. and Margot Robbie are the two people where I'm like, you're just pristine. You're like, like surely <laughs> I can't have seen Brad Pitt buying a loot in the body shop. Like yeah. that surely... <laughs> That like I have to have dreamt that. Yeah, like, exactly. Especially if you see them doing something normal, you know. I just can't like. Yeah. We've gone on such a tangent. I'm so sorry. No. Yeah. By the way, that clip is Brian. You're is right. it? It's it's Cranston, is it? Oh. Nice. That okay. final scene starts now. He has such a nice, yeah, yeah, such a nice. lovely voice. That man. Lovely, very calming. Yeah. Well, we are supposed to do, or to have the very first round of Desert Island. Yeah. Which is something that we've promised since last year yeah. to. 
our listeners. And I or feel like it's wanna, fine all the time. Or if we want to make it more of a courtroom drama, A Few Good Films. A Few Good Films. There you yeah. go. Yeah, that's the one. Hashtag A Few Good Films. Who's Jack Nicholson? Which... Who's Tom Cruise? You're Jack Nicholson, I think, in this situation, Simon. You're defending yourself. <laughs> Everyone should say the three films that they picked. I put in Casino, Casino Royale. I put in The Incredibles. Uh, Incredibles. And I put in Dark. Uh, what uh, we do what in We the... Do in the Shadows. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, that's Perfect. my three. I have Parasite, Fight Club, and 2001 Space Odyssey. And I have Death of Stalin, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. And the aim of this is that we have a, a kind of a rolling list of films that we think, you know, would be good desert island films or good films to have in the archive with us. And every week or every few episodes, someone will come along and challenge one of us, very much like Tom Cruise and a few good men challenging Jack Nicholson, <laughs> to remove their film from, uh, from the from the archive that we currently have going, from the courtroom. And I am in the unfortunate position to be first to kick a film out, which I don't want to do because I love all the films. And for me, this was a very hard one. Uh, and You the- sure? I feel like you sent me a text being like, it's an easy one. No, I'm Try and take me out. Uh, <laughs> uh, the And the reason for that, well, number one, I'm going to go for The Death of Stalin, Simon's film, which I think we we teased in a previous episode. And the reason for that is because, not just because I don't love the film, because I do, but because I love the director so much, Iannucci. A guy that I would love to get a picture with, speaking of. Okay, cool. He has like a lovely, I don't know, anyway. Uh, But because there is a film of his that I feel like is superior to The Death of Stalin that deserves to be in the desert island or like a few good films collection because when I think about it I'm like oh my god that is such a rewatchable film and that's in the loop Simon I know I sent you a clip that I would love for you to play because before you play it I just want to say like argument number one Dead of Stalin is great and it has some great one one liners right they're spot on but in the loop every single line is a one liner is an iconic one liner and case number one Here's 20 seconds of just pure one-liners, one after the other. Preventable sickness in, in many of the poorest countries around the world. Um, and of course, the big one is diarrhea, which is a, which is a major, oh, major issue. I mean, this is the Minister for International Development. <laughs> Should we talk about food parcels, not fucking aspirin mayhem? And, and so if we can tackle the easy things like diarrhea, then we can... Oh, I say it again. Yes, very good. The what is this, the shitting <laughs> forecast? <laughs> <laughs> And just keeps keeps on giving, but Amazing. yeah, they were just like such a good. So that's Peter Capaldi being is, yeah. super duper dry as, as Malcolm Tucker. Yeah. yeah, I love Malcolm. Well, he's and, excellent. Well, that's the thing, and that is my second argument with Death of Stalin. Incredible cast, amazing performances. We mentioned what's his name Jason earlier. Isaacs. Yeah, incredible. However, with Death of Stalin, I felt like we just had Steve Buscemi. Oh, uh, yeah, but Exquisite. I felt like. We had a bunch of long cameos while with In The Loop, we had Malcolm, we had Simon. And I just felt maybe it was because of the thick of it. Maybe I'm a bit biased, but I just felt like I had more of a connection with them because Mm. they had more screen time. Like I could see their character a bit more. And I don't know, I could see like where they were coming from as well. And the third argument that I put down, which to be fair, that's very subjective, but that's down to me. I am not a huge fan of the historical context of like... USS, that the USS kind of fun, Enterprise. Like, yeah, that- <laughs> <laughs> <I'm not even. laughs> the USS Soviet. That's Union. the acronym. <laughs> that's the acronym. 
Um, because, <laughs> oh my God, you guys are taking the piss. For, for me, that's more going back to the desert island situation where I'm like, maybe you want something a bit more universal, which is US politics, bureaucracy, same old bullshit. It's more accessible. Mm. Well, death of Stalin, I can see people being like, oh, I don't want to just, you know, go back to that time again, oh, and again, okay. and again, and again. It's just very niche. What, so you're saying so, you're stuck on a desert island. You don't want to go and have a, a fun, farcical time in history. You want to talk about US politics on the desert well, island that you probably tried to get away from in the first place by going to the desert island. No, I want to double down on the absurdities of bureaucracy of the US politics and how bizarre the whole thing, which by the way, US politics and UK politics is the same thing. Yeah, well, at the moment they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to be fair, that's more of a me subjective thing yeah. because I'm just not into that kind of era and I could see myself being very bored going mm. back to that. Even like the costume design, I can see myself being like, this is not for me. But I'm not saying it's a superior like topic. It's just not my yeah. thing. So, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So so that's uh, th- that's why I'm going for The Death of Talents simply because I feel like it's in the loop. It's the superior Ian Uchi film, not because mm. it's Death of Talents is an amazing film. So how would you how would you rebuttal that? Well, one of my measures for the the sort of the top trump measures was originality. I felt like it was more of in the thick of it. It didn't feel like this brand new defining genre that 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 in the thick of it felt like when you first saw it. When I first Mm. saw in the thick of it, it was a bit like when I first saw The Office, Ricky Gervais's The Office. Mm -hmm. And I remember me and my dad were like, I think I was doing my A levels or something at the time, and I was still living at home, and like my dad put it on. And we were just like, what? Is this like yeah. a, a documentary or whatever? And we mm. couldn't quite figure it out for it for the first episode. And in the thick of it, it still captured some of that with the shaky camera and the performances. Whereas when I saw Veep, I was just like, I really enjoyed it, but it didn't feel as fresh and as exciting. But as, in, in the, the loop, you have best of both worlds because you have the thick of it. Sorry, why am uh, I saying Veep? I'm, so- I, I'm sorry. not sure. Well, because uh, Veep obviously spawns from yeah, in the loop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry, in the loop. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the loop is yeah. like the connector between yeah. the thick yeah. and Veep. Yeah, I, I mean, to go back to that, I think it's more about, you're right, because you have the handheld camera, which is so raw in yeah. a way, like, and we love that. Like, we've talked about this a thousand times. And maybe the death of Stalin feels a bit more... Not to its detriment, polished. but more well produced, like Amer- like yeah, standardly produced. Yeah, which what, works I, what I liked about it was that you don't get that. Well, it's funny because we're going to be talking about poor things in a minute, but you don't get farce very much. Yeah. Um, in recent times, and I thought uh, the Death of Stalin did farce really, really well in that okay. Monty Python style. And also, Jason Isaacs. Right. What's a war here? I've got to do get some lubrication around here. <laughs> what do you think, Ben? Just lovely. Yeah, I mean, I have kind of more, probably more of an affection for In the Loop, I think, because especially that Malcolm Tucker character is such an iconic character to have just gotten... Like, I still hate the fact that there's not more of In the Thick of It, you know? Mm. Um, and so to get more of, or sorry, not In the Thick of It, The Thick I think of It, and then more I'm of in, it I'm In the, the Loop. Amanda Iannucci said, like, it's now, the government's become it. So he now can't well, even yeah, exactly. make it, because yeah. it's already happening for real. <laughs> well, there's all, yeah, the I news. Mean, mm. it's funny because you watch The Thick of It and you see people who are like Dominic Cummings and stuff like that predicted like 10 years ago from his stuff and... Yeah, I mean, it's a hard one because actually for me, there there is very little between them. Yeah. And the only thing that probably differentiates it for me is 
Malcolm Tucker is just one of the funniest characters. And the extended universe of that film as well, with stuff like V, because obviously, you know, you don't have one without the other. And the style Whereas, of shooting, because I guess some people may find the handheld camera annoying. It's hard work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's for not for sure. everyone. And I wonder is, as you say, is Death of Stalin a bit like too polished? Like, because of what I think, what I associate Ianucci with him and what him being really good at is that kind of document, like mockumentary style and is maybe Death of Stalin a little bit too polished from what, and this is this is this is wrong of me because I'm like this is what I expect from him and what I like expect to be his style and that's wrong of me to assume obviously but that's just kind of what I come away from it thinking mm-hmm. I don't know that's yeah. as I say that's very unfair of me it's I think it's really weird, like wrong to go into films with expectations of well this is what this director and this creator has done in the past and it, I hope it will be the same we're also here and obviously like I'm I'm not from here but in a weird way i've been hearing about the legacy of the thick of it all the time for a very long mm. time and because we're going to put this to a vote and we have a global yeah. uh, audience we we may get like different um like unexpected results because mm. maybe that way of like we're kind of biased like i think all three of us are a bit biased with with this director so it'll be interesting to see what people think and i think you'll agree with me Simon and Sophie on this mm. is that if you are, if you have seen these films, but you haven't seen stuff like In the Thick of It yeah. or Veep, go and watch them. Because actually I would say The Thick of It is Ianucci's, apart from maybe the Armando Ianucci show, which is is kind of his original sketch comedy stuff, which some of that is incredible. Like <laughs> there's so much of like, I think Ianucci, a lot of British comedy and a lot of funny stuff in British comedy, you can probably trace back to him, a lot of sketches and stuff like that, that he did like, you know, I think the one that you and I saw talk about quite a lot is there's a whole IT crowd episode about, you know, them going to the football and trying to pretend to be men <laughs> and being that all comes from an Armando Ianucci sketch where he's like mm. freaking out about the fact that he's walking through the park and men kick a football towards him. And it's it's genius. Like it's absolutely genius. Cool. Uh we will put this to a vote and we'll report yeah. back. But I think for the, not the next episode, but for the episode after when we do our next final scene, it's only fair for Simon yeah. to pick the next. So uh, no matter what happens, Simon, even if Death of Stalin gets, even if it stays in, you can now choose one of mine or Sophie's to okay. kick viciously out. kick out. Yeah. Cool. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? Okay. Speaking of satire. <laughs> And farce, as you said. Something. And farce. That's a really good word. Lots of ass and farce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where where to start? It's a film that sort of came out of nowhere. I think we've been hearing about it for a while, but it's been a bit of a slow burn in terms of the attention it has gotten recently. But it's everywhere. Golden Globes, Oscars, Critics' Choice Awards. Did it win it a premiered and stuff? Venice Film Festival Venice. did its premiere. Okay. And that's when people were like, holy shit, what the fuck is this? And it's a correct reaction to the film. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I mean we can talk about it. I, yeah. I I I like I came out of this of the theater thinking I want to watch this right away again. Like yeah, and it's it's not mm. often that I have this sort of reaction. I had such a good time, 
But um, yeah, it's pretty much everywhere. I mean, Emma Stone has, it's an interesting one with Emma Stone because everyone has been talking about her performance because it's so good. And also you have Lily Gladstone, you know, up for an Oscar as well. So that's going to be an interesting one for the night. Um, so I think Lily Gladstone wins it, but I think so. Just me. I, I think so because they're just so much. There's a bit, <clears throat> Emma Stone's performance is very good and very physical, but there's a bit more like emotional heft to Lily Gladstone. And I yeah. mean, the Oscars love a bit of emotional heft. Yeah, I think so. It's very rare that with the Oscars, like it, it, where they'll go for the more kind of comedic physical performance you're going to have. Think back to like the artist and stuff like that, where yeah. they tend to skew that way. But And it's, it's a, a deeply American film. You know, and the Oscars, ultimately, the majority of the critics are American. So I, I have yeah. a feeling that they would opt for, for yeah. which I'm happy for. Um, so does any of you want to take a stab at the at the summary of the film? Like, what is Poor Things about? It's a Victoriana Art Nouveau Chitty Chitty Bang Bang meets Rocky Horror Show meets Frankenstein meets mm. Downton Abbey on acid. And it's a story of, like, female emancipation, um, it's a story of... It is about freedom, you're right, though. Yeah. Freedom, yeah, mm. I think. It's also very funny. It's very rude. It's bizarre. It's very surreal. Yeah, surreal is a good it, word. It's surreal, but it make, at the same time, it makes sense. You know, I, I like. I think there's nothing... I, I felt like Lanthimos has more surreal films. Like, The Lobster, to me, is much more surreal in its essence. It's a study of, of the male condition and the female condition in Absolutely. many ways mm. and it's quite uncomfortable it's like a mirror being held up to it and it's been done in a very surreal way but a lot of what it's saying is is quite profound I think mm-hmm. which is why it really connected with me and why I think so much of it is very very funny because often we laugh at what's truth so poor thing centers on Bella Baxter played by Emma Stone a woman brought back to life after a brilliant but unheed scientist Godwin Willem Dafoe performs experimental surgery on her and more specifically, transplanting the brain of your unborn fet- fet- fetus, fet- yep, fetus. fetus, fetus uh, into her body. So Bella embarks on a journey of self-discovery, exploring love, lust, and philosophy. After leaving her abusive husband and surviving a disastrous honeymoon cruise, Bella returns home to care for her dad. Dad, with air quotes. She <laughs> performs brain surgery on her lecherous suitor, Alfie, replacing his brain with that of a goat. In the end, Bella finds fulfillment living at Godwin's estate with her dear friend Toinette, her friends and love interest Max, starting to become a doctor herself. But Ben, what's it really about? It's about discovery of the self and working out who you are and working out where you fit in the world. And like, it's a story of female empowerment, you know, the patriarchy. <laughs> We've seen a lot of films about patriarchy and female empowerment recently and it does it in a, it's, it's, it's doing it like, you know, if you say that and you think, oh, it's just another Barbie film, it's very much not. It's a it's a completely different way of looking at it. It does it in kind of a farcical way and a incredibly surreal Wes Anderson almost esque kind of crossed with a million different things of like horror and And how many stars would you give it, Sophie? Five. Ben. Four. I'm a five. And I feel bad for saying that. No, that's okay. <laughs> no you gotta be honest. Yeah, gotta no, be honest, yeah, yeah, four. Um, should we talk reactions first? Because I don't know, because because of the film, I don't mm. know if you guys were able to bring uh, clips from from me. Probably not. I've got one clip. Oh, you have? Okay. okay. Yeah. Or you can talk through the scene uh, that, you know, stood out to you and how it ladders up to the to the ending. But Ben? 
the film itself for me didn't pick up and get going basically until uh, Bella leaves and goes to Lisbon. And it almost ends at her wedding to Max towards the end. And then there's kind of an extra 15 minutes of kind of throw away. Her former husband is here, blah, blah, blah. There's like one or two scenes. Okay, he's a dick. Now he's his brain has been switched with like a goat. You know, it kind <laughs> of like I almost felt like in what is already kind of a long film, I probably wanted more. Like I wanted more of that to you kind of want to hate him more but like there could have been more there I think mm-hmm. um and it had been re- I thought it had been really nicely paced up until that point and then it goes really quickly because it's like oh shit we're like we're fucking hell guys we're two hours and 15 minutes in here this this needs to end yeah and then we get really quickly to kind of that final scene in the garden yeah I wouldn't say it soured it for me because I still think it's a fantastic film but it it yeah it just kind of felt quite rushed to me at the end I kind of was left wanting a bit more from that yeah I I get that I think probably where where the filmmaker was coming from is one you don't want to give the abuser any more screen time like you just take him out probably and secondarily I think I wonder whether he would have actually did your head in if he had any more screen time because he was so annoying and just a horrible despicable human the problem is is that there's one kind of comment where Bella talks about, you know, because there's the whole thing about of like, well, Jesus, why, like, if you're my husband and I live in this huge, amazing house, why would I throw myself off a bridge? There's kind of one throwaway comment about that, you know? So you you would have sorted in the middle, perhaps. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a couple of scenes in between that you could probably take maybe five minutes yeah. out of it to just add a little bit more, you know, towards the end. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's some, like, of the sex montages that you're like, this is still going on. That, that's my only <laughs> criticism of the film. I felt like there was way too much sex. Uh, and it, Yeah, so th- that's kind of what I mean is like to the point where you're like, Jesus, you could have had like five minutes yeah. less of that. Like, yeah. especially, you know, obviously the scenes in, in Paris where she starts working in the brothel and goes on this kind of journey of discovery. Mm-hmm. That goes on, that montage, especially, especially yeah. the scene, Jesus, where the guy's... <laughs> has brought his two children. Oh that was the, that was the scene I found the most uncomfortable of the whole film. So uncomfortable to yeah. watch. And there was something yeah. wasn't there about like the... So, so there's the, a scene, as you want to describe yeah. it, there's yeah. a scene where she's working in a brothel in Paris and uh, one, one of the clients is like this old French guy that brings his two children to ed- his two sons to educate them. And they're what, about 12 or something? Oh, younger? 10 and 12 maybe. And they watch him have sex with I think with there was some controversy while he commentated. about that, wasn't there? I'm like, not surprised. It was really it being weird. shown in the UK, I think there was something that like the, the British board of BBFC or whatever they are. <laughs> yeah, it was. We're kind of like, you need to re-edit this scene because mm. we will not show this in British cinemas if mm. you cannot have. I was quite shocked by that like, scene. Yeah. And I just, I wondered if Yorgos is just being provocative on purpose with that. Like, what's yeah, the deal? I, that's what but, it felt but like. But I could see that being a thing that like, I'm pretty sure, but maybe not to that extent, but you can definitely, you've definitely heard stories of parents taking their sons to have sex with a prostitute yes, you know quite, yeah like i think we, i heard russell brand say he lost his virginity to a which probably yeah. speaks yeah, probably, him, yeah, to um, a back then it was maybe i don't know but i, I have a feeling experience for those two yeah boys. exactly yeah. i have a feeling there's a grain of truth in that yeah you're probably right maybe yeah but. i'm sure there is but in a in a in a film that's that is also is kind of <laughs> at its at its core doing its best to be provocative does that scene almost go a little bit a little bit too far into the into the 
you know, it's all been kind of bizarre and surreal up until that point. And of course, this is like so surreal and it's so insane. But also then, as you say, it's not like there is an element of realism to that that you're kind of like, oh. Maybe the French. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry to all of Uh, our French listeners. Uh, but no, I, I, I feel you, but it's interesting. I thought you, I thought you, I thought you were lining up to play a clip there. I was like, oh Jesus. <laughs> the bit <laughs> where she's like, a finger up the arse can help. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, so at least, at least that diffused the, the, the yeah, awkwardness in that scene. it needed to be because the whole, I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, that during the scene, they're having sex as the dad is like turning to his son. And one of the sons and, like, has a notebook and he's writing yeah, stuff down. Yeah, he's writing stuff Something, yeah. And then, yeah, she pops a finger up the ass to uh, to speed things along. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could have cut some time out of that. I think. Yeah, because because le- later t- at the very end of the film, she's walking along like a canal with the with the nice guy. Yeah. So she's dispatched the evil husband, and uh, well, I mean, even the nice guy was fucking weird. You know, <laughs> Max. Yeah. He, he asked her to marry her when she was basically still a child, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, she, so and, she's and, and sorry, not only asked to marry her, but then also agreed to this weird contract. They were where they would both yeah. be confined to the house. So no matter what's happening, all the men are still like basically controlling yeah. her with contracts and what, whatever. But um, they're walking along this canal, and she's telling the evil husband about her whoring in Paris. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so not the evil husband. She's the uh, the love interest yeah. about um, her whoring in Paris, as she puts it. Yeah. And um, this is the clip of them discussing it, which I found very, very funny. Wedderburn became much weepy and sweary when he discovered my whoring. I find myself nearly jealous of the men's time with you rather than any moral aspersion against you. It is your body, Bella Baxter. You also give freely. I generally charge 30 francs. Well, that seems low. (laughs) (laughs) So he's still got a view on the value. Yeah. Uh, but I found that, yes, yeah, there's lots of lines like that, I think, that like kind of broke the awkwardness or the uncomfortableness that was mm. being presented, which I thought worked really well throughout. There's like that generally that kind of rhythm was present in the film. Yeah, throughout, and you have it? to do it like that because that's life in a way. It's not always like, I don't know, it just it can be so odd and so awkward and then so horrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, my other favorite scenes was when they were on the boat in the boat section. And she starts to read lots of philosophy and poetry. And oh yeah, we're going to get to that right, with, the fi- with the final scene as well because I think this is it's very interesting because the the final scene I'm sure you're going to have thoughts on, but the entire film leads up to the final scene because it's going back to what Ben said. It's all about like discover like self discovery and advancing and growing, and there is that line like philosophy um, debate that she has with Harry on the boat, and she talks about like. I'm paraphrasing, but unless you suffer, like you don't grow, you don't advance. Um, so let's go through the final scene. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say? I was just going to say, um, in that scene, Duncan starts to get turned off her yep. when she starts to become cleverer and more self-aware and stuff. Yeah. And for him, that's not attractive anymore. He liked her when she was vulnerable and naive mm-hmm. and basically a child. 
Well, he doesn't well, he, like he, it when she's gets, got having her own ideas. Well, exactly. He gets turned off her even before that when she starts talking back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When they're in yeah. Lisbon at dinner and stuff like that, or when yeah. he, or like when she starts to him, embarrass him in front of mm-hmm. his so-called yes. friends. When it when he wasn't he like he tells you you can say three things. Yeah, marvelous, delightful, and how do they get the pastry so mm. crispy? Yeah, and then she's talking about like the death of her father. And he's like marvelous, delightful. How do they get the pastry so crispy? <laughs> yeah. And the look between the two of them because she knows exactly. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant because she. Knows knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah. So in the film's final moments, we see the household <laughs> in the wake of Godwin's death. Uh, Felicity, that's the new um, Bella, mm. and the housemaid, um, Mrs. Prim. Who she's made friends with, with football. in the interim somehow. Felicity shows signs of progress by actually being able to catch. Uh, Max brings Bella into a netted drink. We hear she's about to take the medical exam. The general is now a goat. Uh, sorry, music plays as everyone enjoys the moment. The last shot is of a content Bella reading a book on medicine. A wonderfully utopian. I like ending. the bit when she uh, suggests gin for the ladies, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, gin, yeah, and they're all having a lovely time and sort of they're yeah. they're in control water, of the yeah. scenario. Water, basically. water for the general. Yeah, yeah exactly. So to start off on her decision to become a doctor. Why become a doctor? Why pursue medicine? Why do you think she went down that route? Because we all become our parents. Nice one. Yeah. And it's also, I guess, <clears throat> becoming a surgeon for her, it like continues that fascination, right? Like during there's one of the bits in Paris where she just goes to the autopsy and she's like, well, mm-hmm. this is what I do on my time off because I just like to see. And actually like, you know, Medicine is one of those professions where you can continuously discover and explore and experiment like yeah. Godwin did as well. Yeah, you never know the whole truth. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. how else is she going to transplant brains into weird mm. animals and different creatures? Mm. And then I also think her time in the brothel was uh, was quite eye-opening for her as well from that empathy standpoint, because I think that's what she was lacking up until that point. She was a bit entitled, you know, because it's she was able to talk back and things like that. But I think up until then, she didn't know how to relate to people. And I think she saw a lot of suffering there and see why she connected with, you know, other women. And I think to become a doctor, you have to Somebody have a helps. lot of empathy and like want to yeah. heal. Somebody who heals people, yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, that's a, that's. Not to bring this back to do- healing Doctor Who, but like, there's a, you know, in Doctor Who, there's the line of what, who chooses a name like the doctor, the person mm. who make, the person who makes people better. Oh, And that's kind of, you even see that with like, when she gives the money away kind of naively to those sailors to give to the poor people in, where are they, in Alexandria? Yeah. You know, Bella has a really idealistic way of seeing the world up until that point, but actually by becoming a doctor, she can do better. It's not just about giving people money anymore. She can use, mm-hmm. she can use her intelligence and her skill to actually, you know, heal people. And, and yeah, is she a healer better. or is she just more into tinkering and experimenting and learning rather than? I think it's helping. a bit of. I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, but I think she wants to do it right. If she's actually reading yeah. up and taking an exam and not just wing it. <laughs> I, do you know what I think? It, do you know what in 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 ugh, in the most artsy farty way? And I hate even saying this. I think if the film had ended in black and white, you'd say she was a tinkerer. I think the fact that Bella sees the world in such color now, it's not as black and white anymore. Of just like oh, I'm interested in what this thing does. Mm-hmm. She's very more. She's much more interested in why. Yeah. Why than you know, she's grown up. She learns what things do. But she's much more interested in why things are the way they are and what they do. And 
and how to make the world better. Since she has that conversation with, is it Harry? Harry, is that the guy's name? He's mm-hmm. like the kind of the nihilist. Mm-hmm. Of he has this such this kind of bleak view of humanity and she talks about, you know, wanting to help people and he's like, well, of course you'd want to do that. Of course you see the good in everyone. And, you know, again, it's almost like that childlike naivety as well of thinking you can do all of these things and now she's taking that and going, I'm going to take this and actually follow on from what God did. It's a fairy tale ending, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, well, in a, well, in a largely fairy tale story. I well, guess. I think that's what was going to be my question because one, probably the biggest thing that stood out to me in the final scene is how peaceful and, mm. you know, tranquilo, like it's so chill. Everyone's yeah. having a good time. And that is in vast contrast with what we just saw um, two hours prior to mm. that. Like just a lot of horror, sadness, like all of the uncomfortable things we talked well, about. Well, even from the, the sound design and the music, yeah, it's a very tranquil kind of ending. And if you compare that with the Alexandria scene, mm-hmm. like I almost wanted to walk out of the cinema at that point because it was, it was so, like the music was so loud and aggressive and high-pitched and almost like off-key. Yeah. There's that weird Quite horror dissonant. thing where everything, like, and... I mean, it's done an incredible job, obviously, to make me feel this way. It feels so uncomfortable. You're sitting there, like, it's not even really what you're seeing, because obviously in the scene you're seeing, you know, she's incredibly upset, and there's this, all these people down this pit, and there's, like, dead children and all that kind of thing. But, like, the sound of it was so, like, uneasing, whereas at the end it's this quite, like, it's, like, nice... Mm. long drawn notes the soundtrack showed this really clever line between being very dissonant and uneasy and then very comical and it was like there was, yeah. there was points where it was where it was making me laugh because there was lots of these twanging instruments that were like kind of com- making comedy noises mm. that were also quite musical but then at the end it's not though at yeah. the end it's, it's trying yeah. to like it's really trying to like it resolves ease you yeah. and yeah and almost be like it's okay <laughs> it's done it's over relax yeah you know? I agree with that yeah that's what I'm not sure of because it just, it's it's Lanthimos. Like generally, I mean, I mean, you've seen a few films of him. Like he's mm. such a pessimist, and with this one, I'm like, oh, he's gone. Like that's his most hopeful and optimistic ending. Yeah, like it's almost mm. like he's trying to tell you, yeah, this is a good moment and enjoy it while it lasts. Because it's not like the patriarchy has gone, down, like has disappeared. Like it's out no, there. She's conquered just, it for herself. Oh, maybe she? yeah, in her maybe, little yeah, world, may, yeah, in her bubble. Mm. I think there's so many kind of is unhopeful word moments in the film but the fact that we get to it and she has conquered it and like because there's a point up going back to the scenes with the general there's a point up until that where you're thinking this film could end with her getting shot in the face right like this film could fully end that she gets shot right now and that, that would could be, be a that could be the end of it and that so watching it having so we watched the favorite maybe the week before mm. and having watched that film and you see how it ends for all of them i was like Emma Stone is <laughs> Emma Stone is getting blown away yeah. any second because yeah. that is how he ends his films. And actually it was kind it was such a relief that that didn't happen. You know, I'm actually happy that he's strayed from his kind of his norms in that way and, yeah. and and done something a little bit different. It's almost like he evolved himself because think of yeah. the the final scene of killing of the sacred deer of, of lobster yeah. even, you know, they just dog to this horrible like in the end, it just I think tells you. Killing of a sacred deer, especially, like, kind of stands out as like almost polar opposites, considering the ending. Of yeah. Poor things. Yeah, it's like telling you there is no way out of rigid structures, yeah. and you are confined to this way of 
thinking, feeling. If you try to rebel, here, here's the consequence for you. You're going to, you yeah. know, burn to death or something like that. Yeah, whereas Bella actually rebels against the system and, and succeeds wins. in it, which is yeah. quite nice. Quite nice. Enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so it has on Lanthimos um, overall. I think I have one last question for the ending because <laughs> it's a bit of a funny one. Obviously, we see Bella, in, you know, with her chosen family now. And... I mean, Bella's the, a- Bella's the patriarch, or she's the matriarch. <laughs> she's now, the OG. She? Yeah. <laughs> she runs that house. We are assuming that she didn't marry Max, and she's probably like polyamorous. Like, what do you what do we think the you know social you know the situation is there from that kind of relational? I, I think she probably did marry Max. Really? Yeah. I, I got think so. I he's, got he's the a sense very he weak didn't. Character considering her. Outlook on yeah. life. He's a very I think maybe she's probably married genteel him. Man. She's married him, but I think she will outgrow him eventually. Oh, I got the sense she's um, what if she ha- sleeping what? with Toinette on the side and he's just there for the you know, for the company and for the She's sleeping yeah. with who? Toinette. Like your friend her French lady. Oh, from the brothel. Yeah. yeah. She probably is. <laughs> yeah. Like I I, yeah. I don't I don't agree with that whatsoever. Right. I'd say she's married to Max, but she's mm. She's doing what she has done throughout the film where she's like, she's not conforming to just, well, yeah, of course I'll be married to you. And like you and I will have the emotional, meaningful connection. But like physically, I also want to get, I want to experience other things. I'm not going to be. But she had no genuine, like, there was no building of the relationship. Between yeah, the I two. don't see it with them. I they see them as good friends. Sho- at the end, they were just shoved together. Like there was no trajectory of their relationship. I, yeah. I could see her having a phase with him, but I. A phase. <laughs> Like, well, she was just I mean, honouring her the contract her dad wrote yeah. for the two of them. That's all that was happening. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I just don't see her as someone who would want to get married at this point. No, I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even though she was already down the aisle with him at the point that the general comes in. I mean, she's marrying him until the general, until yeah, he's like, but she wasn't very excited. The, aren't you doing the I object part yet? <laughs> she wasn't very excited, was she? No. It's like, yeah, I guess I have to do this because my dad told me so and it's the right thing to do because I'm of age. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But yeah. Uh, any closing remarks on the final scene or the film in general? I thought it was excellent. Five stars. Yeah, I thought it was making some really profound points Yeah, using a very surreal mechanic to do it, which I thought made it really creative and ambitious. I'm with you. The settings, the sound design, everything was completely mad. Mm. But they were just saying truth, 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 truth all mm. the way through. And it was, you know, it's like when I hear people articulate stuff in a way that I could only dream of doing myself. And there was a lot, there was lots of lines in that film. That I thought, yes, I, I agree with that. And I yeah. want to yeah. write that down because I'd like to say that myself in, a, in the right situation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you said. And I, I wonder maybe did I just, maybe did I just see the... And having watched his other films beforehand go into it in maybe a different kind of headspace of, of kind of what my expectations with the film are going to be. And again, I said this earlier in the episode about talking about about um, Iannucci, that expectation is wrong actually to go into that. And I, I came out of it thinking, not necessarily thinking I'm going to rush to watch it again, but coming out of it thinking I probably need to watch it again to appreciate it fully because it's, it's like an overload. Yeah. Like it's almost like a, like especially once it, as I say, once it kicks into the, into color, once the film is in color, 
it is like a sensory overload mm. and it is like it, it it hits you really quickly and so I completely agree with everything you said about it but I wonder if I didn't enjoy it as much because I went in with some expectations previously and I yeah. shouldn't have done that and so I definitely want to watch it again I think it ends in the perfect way I think it ends exactly as the film should I think I'd probably have been disappointed if he had ended it like he has his other yeah. films um, and had been more pessimistic because the whole film is about her pushing back and you know it's it's nice i think feel like we've had this conversation on the podcast before with certain films but it's nice that it doesn't go and do the fucking depressing realist ending yeah. of like guess she, what the she patri- would have been the goat yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fucking patriarchy wins and she gets shot in the face yeah. like i'm really glad that that didn't happen because that like that's not the movie the ending does or that's not the ending the film deserves and it's not the ending bella as a character and everything she's been through that film deserves um and so yeah i definitely want to see it again um, maybe just not in a cinema where it's as loud and it's hmm. as, as yeah I took earplugs because I just yeah. knew it was going to be like that and it was so loud even with my attenuators in yeah mm. I, why Why is it that loud that it's stupid I know because it was it, the sound was brilliant it was just too loud okay. yeah I agree it's mm, interesting I didn't have that experience with LFA but maybe it was just a different way of screening it I mean I agree with you Ben I think um, it's just sensory overload and it's what I said earlier like it's my everything everywhere all at once but which, which still, means it needs another rewatch to yeah, fully absorb I think it's his best film 100% oh, I definitely think it's his yeah, best film it's and his like, best film don't get me wrong like I like the favourite and I really like The Lobster when I saw it the first yeah. time because it's such a it's such a different film and all of his films are very different but it's definitely his even if I didn't even if I didn't like it as much as I feel like I should have it's definitely, it's like, it's his best work. And the performances in it are fantastic. Like you can't, yeah. like, I think Emma Stone is amazing in it. I don't know if she'll win the Oscar, but I think she's fantastic in it. I think um, Mark Ruffalo's fantastic. Like he's brilliant in it. Like it's probably my, again, he's not, I don't think he'll win the Oscar for it. I think Robert Downey Jr. will probably win it. We'll discuss this in a few mm-hmm. episodes when we do our Oscar episode. But he's brilliant in it. Um, Willem Dafoe's accent constantly going from <laughs> is he eastern european is he scottish is he english where is he supposed to be from doesn't matter was a bit but it kind of matched the whole yeah. like where is this what era is this exactly it's yeah fine. yeah i i just remember leaving the cinema feeling very creatively topped up with inspiration like i mm. felt like pleased that someone is able to go out on a limb and be ambitious like that mm. and take risks and do something completely mad and i think yorgos is like willing to make a fool of himself in a way oh, which is the ultimate sure. thing that i aspire i want to you know if you if you're willing to like put yourself out there and completely fail then you can make really interesting and stuff it took like him that. six years to make the film because he was yeah. trying to sell it to you know company. Yeah, yeah no one was willing I'll be, to i'll be very interested to see where he goes next mm. and if he continues this on because he has another film with uh, Stone next year called End. Okay. Capital yeah. End. We'll see him. I'll be interested to see where it goes because obviously there's, this feels like, in a weird way, like his next evolution of what he is as a filmmaker. Yeah. And I think his next set of films will be more like poor, poor things, more so than they are mm. The Lobster, The Favourite, that kind of thing. I feel like he's made, or at least I hope he has gone into this and he doesn't revert back because as you say, Simon, like, it's a it's a big risk of a film. Yeah. And actually he has some kind of mad ideas that hopefully he keeps taking shots on things mm-hmm. like that rather than rather than you know mm-hmm. or hopefully studios let him do that. And yeah. I hope more actors get on board with him because I mean I mentioned this about Raffalo last in the last episode where 
I was saying, I haven't seen him in anything exciting in a long time. Mm. And that's the first time where I'm like, I saw him doing something different. So I hope more actors like him. I feel like in the same way that Emma Stone's done a few films yeah. with him, he'll be like Scorsese where he, or yeah. Nolan, where he will have his like, he'll have like a troupe. Yeah. Like there'll be a certain, there'll be a couple of actors that work, you'll probably start seeing recurring in his films. Like I'd love to see him and Olivia Colman work again because mm. her, her and the oh, favorite is. Yeah amazing yeah and you've again, never seen her like that yeah, yeah she's yeah. she's absolutely incredible like des- and deservedly won all the awards for it and is amazing and like willem dafoe i'd like to see him do more with him as well mark ruffalo again brilliant dinner i think he'll get really interesting stuff out of him in the future and obviously i mean he seems to love emma stone yeah. <laughs> and she loves him so yeah it's a, yeah exactly so oh, it's a, it's, a, it. it's like a match made in heaven oh cute so i'm interested to see where it goes next cool okay i think we solved the ending again I think we did. Thank you for joining me. If you are still with us, then please, please, please go and rate the podcast. Go share the episode with your friends. Uh, I'm sure people will want to get a breakdown of the ending. Um, And we'll be back in two weeks with our general movie tale. And Simon has been telling us about the laundry list of things that he wants to recommend to you. So Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Or not. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking twist. forward to chatting about what we've been watching soon because I've been watching some good shit. Yeah. And I'm hopefully planning on seeing some more good shit. Yeah, I've got, Ooh, I've got three too. three endings for you that I can talk okay. about. I've got an ending that was very rushed, an ending that was pure despair. I love that. Um, gold- and an ending that would have worked better on stage. Ooh. <gasps> that is so good. I can't that. wait. Yeah. I have a think as well. I'm going to try and guess what these films are. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I've seen, I wonder if I've seen them. Mm. Any more clues? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll be back in two weeks. Bye-bye. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.